1: It is 630. That means it's time for us to get busy. Get busy with you. Tuesday edition of the Employment Law Show. Andrew Goldberg is here once again, ready to roll. Answer your questions, 416-870-416-870. 6400 over the next half hour, grab that phone, make that call. If anything has you scratching your head about your job, your current situation, maybe it's uh, you've been told to go back to the office, do you have to go? Is it still a vaccine issue? Is it just a severance issue? Bring it on, 416-870-6400 is how you chime in for this uh, show. We'd love to have you on the air because the questions you asked are always wondered by thousands of others who may not have a phone or don't want to call in, so you're doing everybody a, a good service for sure. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca, and anytime you want to widen your education on employment law without even making a phone call, just go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, and there's lots of stuff there to be uh, to be had, to be read, absolutely free. It's anonymous, and the severance pay calculator is there as well on the show today. Everything you need to know about forced resignations in between your phone calls, we get to those talking points, but we always start off, uh, big guy, with the, uh, the case of the day. What do you got cooking?
2: Hey, John. How are you?
1: Good, man. I'm great. Let's roll. What do you got?
2: Good, yeah. Well, I wanted to discuss today um, something that made the news and is a particular kind of personal importance to us at the firm because it involves one of my colleagues, Stan, who's host of the show. I'm sure our listeners or a lot of them are familiar with Stan Feinkelberg, who's a mm-hmm. colleague of mine here. And it involves a over a dozen Metrolinx employees that have filed wrongful dismissal claims against Metrolinx for putting them on unpaid layoffs or unpaid leads, or I guess they're calling them suspensions without pay, as a result of not being vaccinated. And these employees are bringing claims, you know, for two reasons. Number one, uh, Metrolinx is not subject to any kind of government mandate or, you know, forced government order that compelled Metrolinx to require its employees to be vaccinated. So this isn't something coming from the government. And number two, what's, re- what's really quite interesting about this case is, you know, at least the 10 employees that are represented by our firm and stand specifically, they were working from home at the time they were put on this unpaid suspension. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not that it necessarily matters, even if you were working in the workplace and your employer is asking you or forcing you to be vaccinated, you very well still may have and likely have rights in that situation if you're either fired or put on a layoff or what have you. But, you know the entire impetus for these vaccine policies these mandatory b- vaccine policies according to employers is to have kind of safe workplaces and and to prevent transmission and what have you and yep. you know without getting getting into the you know new studies that have kind of shown that transmission is not really as effective or prevented by the vaccine as once thought but if these people are working from home then they're not interacting with their colleagues <laughs> and and you know what i mean and there really is no even to the extent that we don't think you know the pursuit of a safe workplace you know negates your right to not be vaccinated in many mm-hmm. situations in this case specifically if you're working from home how could it be said that this is mandatory and this is mandatory because we're trying to prevent transmission or what have you these people are at home they don't see anybody so it's entirely ridiculous from our perspective. And as a result, we you know over a dozen Metrolink employees were bringing for dismissal claims against Metrolink as a result of putting them on this unpaid suspension. Um, and, and our listeners out there, they're free if they look up the story online, they're sure to find it. So that's something that interests them. And I know it affects many people out there. Uh, they can get more information there, and they're welcome to also call us if they have a specific
1: questions. Yeah, and it's something that, uh, you know, employers that are thinking the same type of thing should really uh, take heed and listen to and follow as well. Because to your point, I mean, it it could get them into some hot water beyond a government mandate, which are no longer happening now. So, you know, I think employers are still thinking they could take it upon themselves to... uh you know, enforce in, in these rules with their employees. I mean, working from home—that's a completely different. That's a, That's like you know. That's like letting someone go for wearing cologne because they work at home and they're affecting other employees. It's 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 nonsensical. But, but there you go. Yeah, you can search that online anytime and see our good pal Stan Fanzelberg, who does a uh, one of the shows here. During the week, uh, Employment Law Show, he's handling that, uh, Andrew's colleague. Again, 416-870-6400 to call in live here now on a Tuesday evening and ask your questions. In between that, everything you need to know about forced resignations. Let's get into this. Break it down off the top. What is a real resignation, right? And uh, does one get severance if they resign? How about that?
2: Right. So, you know, in layman's terms, and as simply put as possible, a real resignation occurs when an employee, you know, voluntarily decides to leave their employment. Maybe they want to pursue another opportunity. Maybe they want to retire. You know, whatever the reason, as long as it's not caused by, you know, the employer putting them in a situation that they feel that they're, they're forced to resign, if it's truly a voluntary decision that you're making as an employee, then that's a resignation. You're choosing to cease the employment, and leave the workplace. And in the event that there's kind of a true and genuine resignation, you as an employee are not entitled to severance uh, in that situation. So it really what separates the resignation from a termination is your entitlement to severance. If the employer makes the decision, in most cases, to terminate the employment, then you would get severance. You know, pending just cause allegations, which we discuss all the time, are Mm -hmm. very difficult to kind of you know maintain and and to allege those allegations. But when it comes to resignation, as long as it's voluntary, you would get no stuff.
1: By the way, I want to mention reaching out to uh, Andrew and his very capable team anytime we're not doing this show on an evening. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, and again, help at employmentlawyer.ca. What happens in this situation, Andrew, if uh, an employee is told, well, you better resign or else? Given that ultimatum, uh, ultimatum, what should they say?
2: Right, and, and that kind of goes back to the first point, which is when we spoke about what constitutes a, a true resignation, we're talking about a situation where you as the employee are voluntarily electing and choosing to resign. If your employer is telling you resign or else, or otherwise putting you into a corner and forcing you to resign, it cannot be said that that's a true resignation. That's your right. employer trying to force you into resigning, which obviously is not your decision. So if you're faced with a circumstance as an employee where your employer is attempting to force you to resign, um, you know, or they say, whatever, we'll demote you, we'll take away your hours, yep. what have you, then what you as an employee want to do is communicate to your employer that you do not intend to resign and that, you know, kind of summarize the situation. You know, today, you, my manager, came to me, or you write to Human Resources. Today, my manager came to me and said A, B, and C about how they wanted me to resign and threatened me with this, that, or the other. And you want to paper that correspondence. And it's very important that you do that in writing, in an email form or a text messages, or at least something in writing. So there's actually a record of your communication, because once things are verbal, it becomes a mess. They're going to deny saying certain things. If you ever have to start, you know, get a lawyer to kind of pursue your entitlements, always easier to have it in writing. But the gist of it is you want to explain very clearly in writing that you do not intend to resign. And You feel that this is, you're being forced to. And if they want to terminate your employment, then that's a decision they can make. But it's not a decision you are making. You want to make that abundantly clear.
1: Yeah it's funny you mentioned there you know write it down keep the correspondence uh, so you have a record of it and, and that word record kind of comes up it has you know several times in the last you know 10 years that we've been doing the show Andrew and some people either think or they're told by their soon to be former boss you know you better you better resign or else cuz it's going to go quote unquote on your permanent record and you don't want that so the person thinks well yeah I don't want I don't want it to be looked like I got fired I'd rather resign it it looks it looks tighter and neater it's wrapped up with a nice bow in a box but That permanent record doesn't exist, does it?
2: That's an excellent point, John. And people all the time, they'll come to me if they're terminated, and they'll say, well, you know, in negotiating a severance for me, please make sure that it's not on my record. And I tell them, there's no record. Like, there's no record that exists, you know, in Ontario or Canada or what have you that, you know, contains all the information information about why your employment ended or what have you. So prospective employers, they're not just going to be able to access this, you know, record that people seem to think exists. But it's an excellent point because it is a common misconception uh, for people who are kind of put into that position where their boss or their company says, look, you know, we're going to let you go. But to make things easier on you, you can just say you resign and get out of here. But what you're doing is you're sacrificing your severance entitlements. And that's what's you know, critical about this distinction is that and why you want to kind of document the issues you're facing is because if you're forced to resign and you kind of document that and it's in paper, um, then you're going to be entitled to severance in the same way as if you were terminated or fired from your job. And that's ultimately the goal here. If you want to get a severance package as a result of your employer kind of putting this on you to leave your employment and that's why it's just so critical to do this and don't worry about kind of your record or what have you and and another thing listeners should know is quite often as part of any settlement that we help you know our clients achieve that have left the workplace, we do ask that their, the company provides a reference letter and they kind of confirm that if future employers call that they'll maintain what's in the letter so that they're not going to be blindsided, right? So there, there's a lot of ways around, you know, the concern about, I guess, quote unquote, being fired and what happens to your ability to get a job in the
1: future. Yeah, there's no, no no permanent archive, you know, somewhere that, that that's stored away with all your, your your work history that anybody can access, potential employers. It's an interesting uh, concept to think that, though, would, uh, would actually exist and people are actually worried about that. I guess the only time you do want to take a, you know, hey, you better resign or else. If you've done something really bad and guilty, you've done, you, you know, there's been something at work that is a fireable offense. And your employer is saying, I'm giving you this one chance to resign before we do fire you for cause, which we have. I guess that's a good time to say, okay, I'll resign.
2: It, it, it's possible that that could be the case, uh, um, but what's going to if it's like such a, you know, catastrophic or significant wrongdoing that it actually amounts to a just cause allegation, then then maybe that would make sense, right? Because yeah. they'd agree, okay, you can resign, and we'll tell future employers you resigned. But something that our listeners should be mindful of is it's very hard for an employer to establish they have mm-hmm. just cause. So they might try to rely on pretty frivolous or kind of, you know, not as significant allegations. Like maybe you were late two days for work or something and like, oh, well, we'll tell everyone you're fired for cause and this, that, or the other. But really that's not going to be cause. So the one thing I'd recommend is if you are kind of put in a situation where your employer is making these allegations against you and giving you a resignation as a way out, talk to, call our firm, talk to an employment lawyer Before you respond to that kind of offer to get a sense of really how much leverage do they have there and is it worth going down that road. It doesn't hurt to ask, certainly.
1: And with that, we'll take a short break, get right back into it, everything you need to know about forced resignations. And if we get some phone calls, we'll try to get to things. People are still getting wrong about termination of employment. That's on the way. But in the meantime, grab a phone now. 416-870-6400 will continue Tuesday night edition. The Employment Law Show continues
0: You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. And welcome back to it. You still got some time. Grab that phone and talk to us. We'd love to have you. On the show, 416-870-6400 is exactly how you do that. And lots to uh, to go here on the show. We're going to get to more of our topic, and that is everything you need to know about forced resignations. Um, what if an employee resigns because something happened in the workplace that made it difficult to continue? I'm thinking harassment, bullying, stuff like that. And they figure, I can't take it anymore, Andrew. I'm out of here. What do you think?
2: Right. So that is something that happens all the time because employers want certain employees out of the workplace. Uh, they don't want to pay them their severance. So they say, they say to themselves, look, if we make their life, you know, a living hell and challenging at work, maybe they'll just leave. Maybe they'll just go resign and find a new job. And if this is happening to you, if you're being harassed or bullied or experiencing discrimination or just being treated unfairly relative to, you know, how you were historically treated, then, you can effectively treat that as what's called a constructive dismissal. You can say, look, I'm not resigning because I'm voluntarily choosing to resign. I'm resigning because of this harassment or bullying or discrimination or what have you that's made it effectively um, impossible to continue working in this environment. And as a result, your constructive dismissal claim allows you to say, because this wasn't my choice and this was something I was being subjected to by my employer, I can effectively treat this as a termination and I would be entitled to severance in the exact same way as if I were just fired. So it's very akin to any other situation where you're almost forced to resign and akin to other situations where your employer, you know, reduces your pay or reduces your hours or tries to change your work location or some other significant material change that you don't accept you can treat that as a termination effectively and pursue your severance in the same way as if you were terminated. And, and even beyond that, if you're being subjected to harassment or discrimination, you could have even further entitlements beyond just your severance. You could have human rights damages as an entitlement, bad faith damages, all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's definitely, um, you know, a situation that comes up all the time. And, uh, important for people out there to know that you know you're not out of luck if that were to happen
1: how about when it comes to ei uh you know resignation versus termination how do you navigate that
2: well it's a great question and and it's really important because it's another you know critical implication of resigning versus being terminated if your employer is kind of putting you in a situation where you're forced to resign and you resign if on your if you do resign then, you know, Service Canada might take the position on, oh, because you resigned, you don't get EI. You're only entitled to EI if you're fired without cause. So then you have to call Service Canada and explain to them, look, like I didn't actually resign. I was forced to resign. And that's another critical factor to consider, because if, especially if you don't have another job lined up or anything like that, not only are you not going to get severance from your employer, but they're going to try to prevent you from getting EI as well. So you'll really have no kind of money to fall back on if you're supporting yourself and or your family. So it's very important from that perspective not to resign to the extent possible. And if you're forced to resign because there's really no other option because of how you're being treated, make sure you document in writing, again, in emails. That, you know, I'm not resigning voluntarily. This is something I'm being forced into. And I feel this is a decision the employer has made. So that way, if you do apply for EI, you have that documentary record to rely on to try to, you know, reverse the decision. And you'll need that same documentary, you know, email correspondence to help you with your constructive dismissal claim if you're when you're trying to pr- pursue severance anyway. So it's even more critical to get these things in writing on paper.
1: And you will need all that stuff when you have your discussion with Andrew anyway. We need to discuss these matters before you pull the trigger on any decision you make. You always call one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. You still got a few minutes here now on the show to call us. On a uh, beautiful hot Tuesday evening, 416-870-6400. Things people are still getting wrong about termination of employment. That's okay. They they can't catch every show, and we've been doing this for 10-plus years, but that's okay. There's still things that that people miss. Um, I'm going to throw the biggest one out there, love an easy one over the plate, man. That is, you should not go to the Ministry of Labor if you have been let go. No kidding.
2: Yeah, no kidding, right. And and this is something, like as you said, we've discussed countless times on the show, but the reason we do that is because of how often people go to the Ministry of Labor, right? So as long as there's some listeners out there that weren't aware of this, then we're effectively we're happy with going over this point, you know, for years now, which is to say that the Ministry of Labor is not in a position to get you your full severance entitlements if you're let go. The Ministry of Labor can only get you your very minimum severance entitlements, which could be a fraction of what you're actually owed. And for instance, you know, someone that works for 20 years is, you know, 55 years old and in a lower level management position, let's just say, if they work for a company of, you know, 20, 25 employees, their minimum entitlement could be eight weeks of notice or pay. And that's what the Ministry of Labor would be able to get for them, eight weeks of notice or pay. But... At common law, their full entitlement could be 20 months or more. So we're talking about the difference between two months and 20 months, which is 10%, right? It's a catastrophic it's difference. It's, yeah. it's tens and maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars. So that is why it is you know vital that if you're let go, speak to an employment lawyer before you ever go to the Ministry of Labor. And if you do go to the Ministry of Labor and you obtain your entitlements there, then we as employment lawyers can't do anything for you anymore to get you that difference of that, you know, in that example, 18 months. So it's very, very important that you do not do that um, and speak to an employment lawyer instead.
1: Another one that kind of shocks people, Andrew, is the fact that your employer can legally let you go for many reasons, right? It's all a matter of severance.
2: Right. So at the end of the day, people are confused about this for you know a multitude of reasons. One is that, you know, sometimes people come to me and they say, look, I was a high performer. I don't know why I was let go. I had like a small tip with one of my colleagues, but it wasn't anything much and I want my job back or I can't believe my employer's firing me. But the reality is in most situations, your employer has the discretion to let you go as long as they pay you a fair severance. Now, You know, one example I use all the time is it's even possible, like, let's say you're a commission salesperson and your employer put you on a commission structure because they thought that you'd achieve a certain amount of sales. But lo and behold, you crush the projections and make far more sales than ever would have been imagined. Now your employer is overpaying you based on what the kind of market rate is for most salespeople in your role. Your employer can fire you. So that it can rehire new people that are, and pay them less, and huh. that person's effect, effectively actually been let go for being too good at their job. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Which seems counterintuitive, but that's the reality. Now, the only there are certain circumstances you can't be let go, and that would be if you're on a medical leave of absence. Like, let's mm. say you are off work for medical reasons, or there's a bunch of statutory protective leave, like you know, maternity, parental leave, or if you have a child or caring for a newborn child and and bereavement leave and things like that, where you're entitled to your job back in most instances upon your return. But other than those issues of kind of accommodation and these specific leaves of absence, your employer really has the ability to let you go. The cost of that, however, is to pay you severance, unless you've done something, you know, horrifically bad in the workplace that justifies your termination for cause.
1: We'll give you one minute to answer this one, last one for the uh, for the evening. You do not have to sign your termination papers right there on the spot, on the way out the door. In fact, you shouldn't.
2: Yeah, you never, never, ever, ever, if anyone's out there and, you know, you're terminated, unfortunately, in the near future or future, never sign your termination package upon receiving it, you know, in that termination meeting before you leave. You have every right to go... Consider the what's being offered to you, to speak to an employment lawyer about it, to assess your entitlements before signing and returning it. And one thing to know and to keep in mind is if your employer is really pressuring you to sign this thing before you leave, you know your radar should go up and you should be considering why is it that they're putting so much pressure on me to sign this. If your employer actually believed what they were giving you was fair, then really they should have zero issue letting you go And even mentioning in the letter, go, even speak to a lawyer, you have a week to sign this, get back to us. You know what I mean? It should feel very natural and it should feel like, you know, you should have a chance to canvas it. If they're putting the pressure on you to sign, you should have a feeling that something's not right here. And that should even point more so to the, you know, ultimate conclusion that I'm not signing this right now.
1: And that is it for a Tuesday. Reaching out to Andrew now that we are complete, 1-855-821-5900. Email help at employmentlawyer.ca and pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, the free and anonymous website. Back in tomorrow at 630 with another edition of the Employment Law Show. We'll See you then.